Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Murder at Moonlight Cove, written by Scott A. Ferguson, Sr. A bizarre murder disrupts Detective Barrett's vacation. George Barrett is a detective in the Sioux Bend Police Department. For the first time in six years, George and his family are going on vacation to the most exclusive resort in the West, Moonlight Cove Resort in Wild River, Wyoming. The first morning there, George and his daughter Karen go for a run. Near the end of the trail, Karen hears music. When she follows the sound, she discovers two young people tied to pine trees with arrows in their stomachs. One victim was the son of the Lakota County Sheriff, and the other was the daughter of the executive director of Moonlight Cove. Since the sheriff's office didn't have any active detectives, George's vacation is canceled, and he is tasked with solving the murders. While executing a search warrant, George and his partner discover a room filled with pictures of Tristan Collins, the resort director's daughter, and the other victim. They soon learn that the apartment's occupant, Dennis Gibson, wasn't the one who took the pictures, but he wouldn't tell them who did. Who took those pictures and plastered them all over the walls? If it wasn't Gibson, who was he protecting? Can George find out who killed the young couple? And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Murder at Moonlight Cove. Chapter 1 The first family vacation in six years was about to start, and George couldn't wait. It seemed to take the girls and his wife Allison all morning to finish packing. At long last, the family hit the road. Five hours later, they pulled up to the main entrance of the lodge at Moonlight Cove Resort. Everyone piled out of the SUV and headed to the check-in desk. As they walked up, the woman behind the counter smiled at them. Welcome to Moonlight Cove. My name is Tiffany. How may I help you this evening? Good evening, Tiffany. I'm George Barrett. We have a reservation for a two-bedroom suite. Tapping on her computer, Tiffany said, Ah, here we are. She continued glancing at the screen for a moment and then looked up. Uh, there seems to have been a problem with your reservation, Mr. Barrett. We have you with only a one-bedroom suite. Allison spoke up. Can you check again? I have an email confirming the two-bedroom suite here, I'll pull it up for you. Quickly pulling out her cell phone, she remarked, Here it is. She turned the screen so Tiffany could see it. See, it says we're confirmed for a two-bedroom suite. Tiffany looked perplexed as she leaned in and squinted at the email. Just one moment, please, she said as she walked away. A moment later, she returned with a tall man who looked to be in his late forties. He stepped up to the counter and began tapping on the computer. Looking at Allison, he asked, Mrs. Barrett, can you show me that email, please? Allison showed him her phone, and he began typing again. After a moment or two, he verified the reservation. Well, it seems you are confirmed for a two-bedroom suite. But unfortunately, we don't have one available. As George was just about to say something, the man continued. Let's see what we do have. Continuing to type, he smiled. Yes, that will do nicely, I think. 
He looked up at the Barretts. Mr. and Mrs. Barrett, I believe we can accommodate you with a suite. It's not the type of suite you booked, but I think you'll be very comfortable all the same. Before either Mr. or Mrs. Barrett could respond, the man turned to Tiffany. Could you have the Barrett's luggage taken to the Commodore suite, please? Turning back to George and Allison, he explained, The Commodore suite includes everything your reserve suite was supposed to have. In addition, it has a balcony overlooking the lake and its own private jacuzzi, as well as other amenities that I'm sure you will enjoy. He pulled his business cards out of his inner jacket pocket and handed one to George and Allison. If there is anything you need while you are with us, please don't hesitate to call. George looked at the card and read, Edwin Collins, Executive Director of Operations, Moonlight Cove Resort, Wild River, Wyoming. Executive Director, what does that mean? George asked. Edwin smiled. That means I'm the boss around here. Anything I say goes. Well, thank you, Mr. Collins. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Mr. Barrett. Anytime. Now, if there's nothing else I can help you with... No, I, I think we're good, but I do have one question for you. Do you know if there is a safe in the room? As Edwin glanced at Tiffany, she quickly began typing. While waiting for her to determine if there was one, Edwin assured them, If there isn't one, we have complimentary safety deposit boxes here at the desk. You're free to use them whenever you like. No, George firmly stated. I'm afraid that won't do. You see, I'm a police detective and I need to secure my gear. Just then, Tiffany looked up and said, No problem, sir. Your suite has a complimentary safe in the primary bedroom closet. Right now, the combination is set to four zeros, but you can change it to whatever you want. The directions are on the inside of the door. If you're securing your handgun, Edwin added, I'll put a note in your file for the staff to avoid the closet. That would be great, George said. Thank you. Smiling, Edwin then asked, Is there anything else I can help you with? No, I think that's all we need, Allison replied. Thank you so much for your help. It's our pleasure, Mrs. Barrett, Edwin replied. Then he turned and called out, Mike. As a tall man in his mid-thirties came over, Mr. Collins asked Mike, Would you show the Barretts up to the Commodore suite, please? Mike smiled and gestured, Right this way, folks. Wait a minute, George interjected. We need to grab our bags and... There's no need, Mr. Barrett. Our staff has collected your luggage and our valet service has parked your vehicle for you. Now, if you'll follow me, I'll take you to your suite. One quick elevator ride and three corridors later, they all stood in front of huge mahogany double doors. Mike opened them and ushered them into their home for the next two weeks. As soon as they walked in, they all stopped and stared. The suite was palatial with elegant furnishings. Allison glanced around and asked with surprise, This is for us? Mike smiled. Yes, ma'am. The best suite in the resort. To be honest, it's not rented out very much. Why not? asked George and Allison's 14-year-old daughter, Karen. Because it's $10,000 a night. Most people don't have that kind of money, but right now it's the only suite available. Just then the baggage carts were wheeled in and the staff began unloading their things. For the next few minutes, Allison was busy telling them where to put each bag. Finally, they were finished and the staff left, 
leaving only Mike standing in the room. The daily activities are displayed on Channel 1 on the TV, but if you download the resort's app, it'll all be available on your phone. You'll also get a map of the entire resort and surrounding area just in case you want to go exploring. If you need anything else, Mr. and Mrs. Barrett, just dial 7 on any of the suite's telephones and someone will be glad to help you out. George reached into his pocket and pulled out a $20 bill, handing it to Mike. He immediately protested. Oh no, sir. When you are our guests, everything is included. In fact, I could lose my job if I took your money. But thank you for the offer. Now, if there's nothing else... George and Allison shook their heads. Saying goodbye, Mike finished. Very well, then. Thank you for coming to Moonlight Cove Resorts. On behalf of the entire staff, we hope you enjoy your stay. As George closed the door, he turned to his wife, grinning widely. Can you believe this place? It's like we died and went to heaven. Heaven ended when their two daughters came tearing around the corner, sliding to a stop mere inches before colliding with them. I'm hungry, their twelve-year-old daughter Joyce blurted. What's for dinner? The doorbell rang, and Mrs. Collins opened it to find her daughter's date standing there. He was a tall, muscular boy with dark hair and strikingly blue eyes. His face reminded her of a boy she dated in high school. She smiled, inviting him into the house. Hi, Cody. Come on in. Tristan's still upstairs. They walked into the living room. As he sat down, Mrs. Collins went to the foot of the stairs and called out, Tristan, Cody's here. I'll be right there, Mom, came the reply. She looked at herself in the mirror one last time, taking in her long blonde hair and inspecting her makeup. Perfect, she thought as she turned to the side and inspected her outfit. The jeans were artfully torn and just tight enough without being too tight. Her top showed off her figure without making her look too slutty. Oh, a little slutty is good, she thought to herself and smiled. Tristan hurried down the stairs, slowing down when she reached the landing. She turned right and sedately walked into the living room. As soon as she came in, Cody and her mom stood up. Tristan smiled to herself as she saw the look of desire in Cody's eyes. She blushed when she glanced at her mother and saw the knowing look in her eyes. Hi, Cody. You ready to go? Tristan asked. He nodded and she moved toward the door. As she opened it, she said, Don't wait up, Mom. I'm not sure what time I'll get back tonight. Cody had just stepped out onto the porch behind Tristan when Mrs. Collins firmly instructed, I know what time you'll be home. One o'clock and no later, young lady. Tristan laughed as she took Cody's hand and called over her shoulder, Okay, Mom, whatever you say. See you at one. Hopping into the antique 1974 Jeep CJ5, they were off. Tristan grabbed the windshield frame as they turned left at the corner. She looked over at Cody. Why do you drive this thing again? She asked. It's pretty old. It was my grandfather's. He bought it with his combat pay when he came home from the Vietnam War back in 1974. Then, in his spare time, he converted it to look like the one he drove in Saigon. I always liked it, so when he died, he left it to me. Whenever I drive it, it reminds me of him. Still, 
I would think you'd want something newer. You know, something made in this century? He laughed. Are you kidding? Why would I want anything new? They're all plasticky and fake. Patting the dashboard lovingly, he added, This baby is made of real steel. And the best part is, no computers reporting everything you do to the government, like that new shit everybody wants. Tristan shook her head and sighed. You're a mess, you know that? They both laughed, and she changed the subject. Who's going to be at the bonfire? Glancing briefly at her, he answered, Oh, the usual gang, although I heard Ricky's bringing a new girl. You know, he broke up with Whitney last week. I heard she's crushed about the whole breakup thing. That's too bad. I'll have to call her tomorrow. Did you remember to bring the blanket and the cooler? He nodded as he said, Yep, they're in the back. Tristan turned and saw both. Smiling back at Cody, she turned back around. All right. The meadow was illuminated by a huge bonfire, and the party was in full swing. Cody parked the jeep in a small clearing just past several tall pine trees. As Tristan looked over at him, he grinned back at her. For later, was all he said. It was all he needed to say. She grabbed the blanket while Cody got the cooler, and they headed for the bonfire and their friends. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Murder at Moonlight Cove. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon, Audible, and iTunes.